Art is more than just a composition of beautiful colors and carefully placed brushstrokes. When we can think about it more expansively, that is. Welcome to the Art of Podcast, a show that unveils the masterpiece resulting from you taking your healing into your own hands. I'm your host, Leah Fisher, a trauma survivor turned multi-awarded reflectionist artist with a master's degree in counseling. My highest intention is to create a community for self-healers. Together, we'll unlock your own creative capacity to design a life of holistic wellness and embrace the healing journey, one step at a time. Welcome back, everyone, to the Art of Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so glad to be here. And so we've had a, a snow and ice storm in Dallas this week, and I've had a uh, a guest with me, a friend, and we've been hunkered down at the house just trying to survive the snow because in Dallas, we don't do snow and ice as soon as it kind of gets below 30 degrees. We just kind of stop going places and buy a bunch of food and just kind of sit in. So my friend, Lindsay Little, was with me and she's today be speaking to you on the podcast. She is a resident of Jonesboro, Arkansas, and is just visiting Dallas for a little bit. And an emotion code practitioner. So welcome to the mm. podcast, Lindsay. Thank you, Leah. It's so good to be here. Yeah, yeah. So we'll completely get into what the emotion code is and how that's useful for everyone listening. But first, tell us a little bit about you. Where did you come from? What's your background, your, your spiritual background? Just like anything you think mm -hmm. is relevant to introduce yourself to the listeners. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I grew up in Arkansas. Jonesport, you were born there, right? I was. And I spent a good part of my growing up there. I didn't move until after college, and I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. So I got a little bit more culture there. I've been dying to go to Nashville lately. It is so much fun. Yeah. I love it. Sort of the way that I was raised in Jonesboro. And I've had friends come and visit me, and you know, everywhere we go, to the restaurants or grocery store, you always bump into people you know. And so it feels like everyone sort of feels like family because you grew up with them and you saw them all of the time. And it was about 70,000 people in that town. So it's not extremely small. There's an, it's, there's enough people to, to have a little bit of culture because all of those people have come from somewhere else. Um, there's also a university there. So there's in, some in diversity. Mm -hmm. mm. So there's some diversity and that brings in, you know, another 11 or 1,012 people, you know, and it's a, it's a, big enough town to where if people are starting to open up new restaurants and cafes and yeah it, I looked it up online mm -hmm. and it said that a lot of people are investing a lot of money into Jonesboro mm -hmm. yeah it's uh, one of those places where all of the farming communities around will come to Jonesboro to shop and eat and we're like the big city you uh, know in northeast Arkansas yeah okay, okay but then everyone who was raised there we all go to Memphis okay because it's about an hour away so we'll go to the bigger city mm. and so I had family in Nashville and after college I was ready to get out you went to college there too I did okay I was ready to see the world yeah. And the world was four and a half hours away, you know, yeah. just to a bigger city. Yeah. 
And then once I was in Nashville for a few years, I was ready to see a bigger part of the world. And so around 2007, I started hearing about this thing called YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And there was their schools all over the world. And you get trained in all these, the way cultures live and the way they communicate with each other. And um, also you get schooled in nonprofits and how to serve people in their culture. And so I learned a lot um, just about that. And I was got more and more interested. And then I found out there was a school in New Zealand. And I'd always wanted to go to New Zealand. And that school was called Around the World in 80 Days. And so after you did the school in New Zealand for three months, then you travel around the world with a group of people. And you get to work with nonprofits, you get to serve, you get to see how these cultures live and breathe and work. And oh, that sounds so fun. It's amazing. And you expand your mind and your worldview because you're diving right into, you know, Buddhist culture, Hinduism, and this, you know, not just religion, but the way of life. Mm-hmm. And we wore what they wore mm-hmm. and we got to eat what they ate and we lived with them. We didn't just go to, a fancy hotel and, you know, separate ourselves from the culture and then go in every day and help them. You know, we actually like lived and slept on the floor of the church or whatever it was. And what was your degree in? So my degree was in, I, I changed it so many times. Um, <laughs> I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So if anybody out there knows the Enneagram, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to experience everything. Yeah. And so I, I you know, my, I ended up doing communications mm-hmm. because there wasn't a lot to offer where I went to school and I really loved art and I loved people and I loved helping people and I knew I wanted to travel. And so, um, I ended up in the communications building because it was the l- least boring building of all the buildings. <laughs> well, it sounds like it really par- parlayed you into all that travel mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you probably had no idea that's what you were going to do, but yeah. it was kind of laying the groundwork for that. It's true. And so I ended up doing, uh, having a major in journalism. Oh, really? So, uh-huh. Okay. So I did journalism and, uh, photography was my emphasis and then marketing because I had gotten enough marketing classes before I switched my major. Okay. So that was sort of my minor, but and advertising was my main thing. So I never really intended on going into advertising, but I got to see how it worked. And so I think it helped my um, brain, even starting my own business later on how to market and advertise yourself um, as self-employed, but also how to reach people. I think I was always a little concerned with trying to buy someone's attention and I wanted to just be real. And so even the things that I had thought up in college for different projects, mine always had a little bit of, I, I want to be as personal as possible, you know, and not try to just uh, win over the masses. And so even now when I talk about certain things, when I talk about what I do with Emotion Code and how to help people, it's always from, I think, an angle of connecting with somebody. Like, I know what you're going through. And I've been some, through something similar, you know, or I can connect with you in that way or find common ground. And I think that's really important when you're talking to people and communicating, you know. It, sometimes they don't really teach that in school, you know. It's something that you learn and probably... No, not at all. Yeah, and I, you know, we, going back to my family and how I was raised, that's my family. They're communicators and, and um, you know, my mom and dad were very loving. We were a part of a church that... 
um, I think, you know, we can look back on that and say, see where sometimes uh, we were traumatized, you know, by um, certain belief systems that were ingrained in you and maybe um, certain thoughts um, that were forced upon you, you know, that you just had to believe in because that's the way you were raised. Um, But my family was really good at um, holding space for that and allowing you to hear all of these things and know that the most important part of that was community. Right. And the most important part of that was connection and love. And so I'm so, you, I'm so glad that that was your experience mm-hmm. and you can walk away um, taking that with you, yeah. you know, instead of just remembering maybe, you know, mm-hmm. uh, self-limiting beliefs around it. Well, there was a stage of my life though where... The, we, we all do. We all do that, right? I think yeah. that a lot of people have that story. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're involved in their church and then they become young adults mm-hmm. and they're like, I reject everything. And yeah. you're like, okay, maybe it all wasn't bad or maybe, mm-hmm. I, you know, everyone was just kind of looking at it in a, in a, like a weird angle, you know? Yes. And I, and I, I think, you know, even being in the small town and with the small minded community of just, you're in your own little world and everybody thinks exactly the same and they act the same and, there's, there can be a lot of drama in, in that. And then there can be trauma from just being forced to believe anything. Yeah. Because ultimately, you know, if we believe in God or, or something like that's a source of love or frequency that's a source of love, we believe truly deep down inside our souls that that is not a forceful thing because love attracts you to love. It's not you must do this or not because that's control and manipulation and that's not unconditional. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the road that all of the travel and everything took me on. Is that, is that what you learned when you got outside of your, your birthplace of origin Mm -hmm. and, and just kind of started to see other cultures, the common thread of, uh, of just love, unconditional Mm -hmm. love. Is that what you saw? Yes, it is. And family. And I mean, I remember going into some of these places that they had nothing. They, you know, according to our culture, I mean, and most people are, I would say most people in the United States, even lower class is upper class. If you're going to look at a place like, you know, India or Cambodia or something like that, you know, uh, they have nothing. I mean, some of these places had absolutely nothing or Africa, I went to Africa and, and Uganda. And mm. I remember they just live in these little tiny huts you know and 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 some places in Nepal too and where I was but they were the most welcoming people that I've ever met in my life that it seems like the ones with the smallest amount of stuff Mm. were the most giving and sacrificial because maybe I see it as sacrificial but to them you know that's just a way of life and it didn't matter what they believed in or you know, how much they had, they were like, come, come, come. They Mm. were so like, I want you to be in my space so I can give to you and I can serve you and I can show you like how happy I am that you're here. And I'm like, you don't even know me. (laughs) And then they're, they're like making tea or chai or, you know, um, whatever food it is that they make or rice or feeding you, whatever they have. And I just remember one instance, like that's so clear where, I was invited back to come to someone's place and it was just a little, you know, shanty of a place. And, and, you know, they laid out a a rug or a mat and for me and my friends, it was the smallest space too. You know, we were all kind of squished together and 
they made us tea and brought us food and we didn't even know the, their language fully maybe a few words here and there but it it wasn't like you needed words even to feel loved in that space yeah <laughs> yeah have you ever heard of a book called um mutant from down under no but okay. it sounds amazing <laughs> you have to i listen to it but it's about this woman who goes to uh, australia and she thinks she's getting an award from the aborigines mm. but instead she kind of she doesn't get kidnapped by them but she basically goes on like this few month long walk with them wow and it's a fascinating story but what you're saying like they don't I mean, they had, they were just walking and they Mm -hmm. didn't, you know, they barely had any clothes. They didn't have shoes, but just the, when you talk about not having any, any words, she talks about the telepathy of them Mm -hmm. communicating Mm -hmm. and how she started to be able to tune into that frequency. And that makes, it makes a lot of sense because now that I'm thinking about it and talking with you about this more, there is a certain frequency and the higher frequencies are, and we'll talk about this with emotion code. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And if you do read the Bible or if you've been taught in church, you know that those are the fruits of the Spirit. That's right. And that's what they talk. Even Jesus, you know, the prophets talk about meditating on these things. And that's very important with what I've learned with with Emotion Code and my upbringing combined is there's a reason why they said that. Those mm-hmm. things have a very high frequency. And when you meditate on them or you think about them or you talk about them, Um, that increases the frequency of your self, like inside of you. And so those things that are at higher frequencies, like telepathy, being able to communicate without words, and some of these gifts and things that now people are talking more about, not quite mainstream yet, but in our, our circles, and things that may have been pushed down or boxed in by um, people who didn't understand and it could be religious communities or um, something else you know but the things that we don't understand a lot of times we kind of put in a box and put away and just like I don't want to deal with this yet because I don't really understand it or I'm going to put it in a category of these are things you don't do because they're bad or evil or scary or whatever and I was talking with somebody the other day just about um, when you know, the wise men like followed the stars to find Jesus. And that was astrology, you know, and there's so many things that we like, it might have been you, I don't, (laughs) but there's so many things that we separate from religion. And then so much of our culture is that is ingrained in our culture. So um, I'm really excited to hear people talking more about things that are possibilities. And as we evolve as a human species, Um, And as we shift our frequency and as we release the trauma or heal from the trauma or move it out of our bodies, because these are our vessels that we were given, we are increasing the frequency inside of us, which is increasing the frequency of the world and lifting it out of the the trauma that we're collectively experiencing too, right? Mm. That the earth is constantly absorbing um, and alchemizing, and alchemizing is just shifting the energy. And something else that I, I found that I think was so important in my journey was energy does never die and it's never really created, it just changes its frequency. Mm-hmm. And so you think about that, and we're energy, and our words are energy, and everything else. So you can't kill energy, you can't destroy it, which is such a beautiful thing, but you can 
shifted into a higher frequency and you can't alchemize it. And so taking a, you know, depressed person or an anxious person or whatever else, these are all just traumas or belief systems that have caused them to have this trapped energy in their body somewhere in their body that eventually will cause illness or disease or sickness in the physical realm too. And this can be shifted and alchemized. And when it is, you know, we can release um, illness and disease and things like that physically, but also our vessel is shifting. And then we can experience things like these other cultures who have maybe for many, many centuries, you know, and we talk about um, Eastern culture too. And that's actually where with emotion code therapy, we take a lot of that muscle testing. Yes. And going back to what you were saying about when we heal as individuals, the collective consciousness heals. And I think that it is kind of our responsibility to do that self-healing because we often look to other people and say, oh, you've got a problem. I know how to fix you and you need to Mm -hmm. do this and you need to do that so I can feel okay. And so you're not being a weird person in society, but really it always (laughs) begins with us, right? Mm -hmm. And when we focus on ourselves and and raise that vibration, then we Mm -hmm. are contributing to the overall good. And so that's why I love what you're doing with Emotion Code. And I am going to go ahead and assume that most of my audience hasn't ever heard of it. I'm just going to speak (laughs) like they haven't because I had heard of it a few years ago because I was watching Gaia TV, as I always do. And Bradley Nelson was on there talking about his book, The Emotion Mm -hmm. Code, and with Regina Meredith. And I found it fascinating. I bought the book. I started kind of doing it myself. I had worked with an Emotion Code therapist in Sedona. Mm -hmm. And... I just find it fascinating. So Lindsay, explain to us what exactly emotion code is. Emotion code is really a combination of uh, many tools that were out there already. And I say a lot of Eastern religion combining, taking muscle testing, and I'll explain that in a minute, but just helping you hear what's going on in your body and listen to your body and see through muscle testing and getting answers like yes or no answers, what it is that's inside of the body, where it is trapped. And in this particular case with emotion code, Dr. Bradley Nelson created this um, modality after um, seeing that he was actually a chiropractor and he would see these patients come in with the same injury after he helped fix their injury and realigned their neck or their shoulder or their arm or back and they would come in with the same injury over and over again not doing anything different physically and he started realizing that when he was releasing some of this in the spine or the neck that they would have an emotional release and I'm also a yoga instructor and so I know even from yoga certain movements holding certain positions and breathing into that space you can have an emotional release i know from going to counseling you can have an emotional release Uh, you can cry you can be angry you can feel the frustration coming up and it just takes sometimes movement of your body and deep breaths and i think that's why good parenting (laughs) goes back to letting your child cry letting them cry it out, they're processing that energy so it's not stuck. Mm -hmm. 
actually side note, I just watched this little video that was amazing. And this man was talking about his daughter getting her finger smashed in the cart at the grocery store. And she started screaming. And instead of hushing her, like, I'm embarrassed, you know, like she's screaming in the middle of the grocery store. Everybody's looking at me. He said, let it out. Let it out. It's okay. And he was rubbing her back and he's like, let it all out. Mm-hmm. And she went from screaming to crying to whimpering to sniffling. And he's like, you can let it out. And she goes, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And she had to move that energy and that pain out of her body and shift it, you know, mm-hmm. from this is what it feels like. Because that's the other thing about energy, and I'll get back to that in a second, but is we're the ones that when we name it, that's what it is. So if I names frustration, then it becomes frustration. It takes on that frequency. It's just energy until I call it something, you know, right. or until I recognize it as something. Right. Then we recognize it because of how we've been trained and what we've seen and experienced in life. So going back to what Bradley Nelson would experience, he knew that all of these physical traumas in the body were connected to or rooted in an emotional energy or trauma. And he realized that he could create this chart of emotions. So, so let me I'm gonna, uh-huh. I'm gonna just interject really quick. So, so what you're saying is that as we are developing, when we're having emotions, especially as young children, most parents aren't exactly equipped to let us cycle through a painful emotion Mm -hmm. because of their fear of their own emotions. And so if if we're experiencing pain or fear or sadness or shame, Mm -hmm. normally they're like, don't feel that way, buck Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And then it gets it. So we don't cycle through the emotion. Mm -hmm. The actual energy isn't cycled through. And so we store it somewhere in our body. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. And, and, you made a good point there. Like a lot of times we'll hear like, stop crying or mm-hmm. go to the corner or, um, and, or go to your room or whatever. And this is not always the case. There's very subtle ways too of not processing that energy. And it could be that your parent, like you said, is going through something themselves that they're trying to figure out. Oh yeah. And, I mean, yeah. And they're not paying attention to what's going on well, with you and, and that's okay. And the, and <laughs> let's be really, really clear here. I mean, like just say our parents, like their parents mm-hmm. didn't sit around talking about emotions and cycling through emotions. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we didn't, you know, yeah. that this isn't something that our parents and our grandparents were taught. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, they were taught don't show emotions, like get your, exactly. sh- keep it together, <laughs> you know, no dirty laundry, Yeah, you know, so mm-hmm. Taught exactly the opposite, actually. Right. So we're and we're really kind of like first generation who's really mm-hmm. leaning into this for right. You know, well, and it's interesting because I think um, probably the way it started, you know, like as the humans have been evolving, this was probably a more of a natural thing in the beginning, and then over time, um, they were told to shut it down, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and then, so we're just now getting to a place of like, whatever, like we can't do that anymore. We can't hold it in. We can't bottle it in. That's no way to live. Yeah. And so we're busting out of that, you know, but there's, they're now taking, um, modalities and things that were available in Eastern culture and things like that, that maybe are still alive and well, the people are still using that now they're kind of like pulling that into, okay, we can use this and this tool and this tool, bring those together and actually find what is trapped in the body. So, so, so Nelson has a, has a chart that you use yes. 
an emotion code. He does. He um, created this emotional chart, which is out there for anybody to use. And, and everyone knows that these are the emotions when you look at it. Um, you know, like, I mean, there's anything from abandonment to unworthiness to crying to um, insecurity, vulnerability, heartache. There's so, I mean, there's so many on this chart. And we've experienced pretty much all of them as a human being, I'm sure. And um, so he found a way when he muscle tests to find, to connect to the other person. Okay, so explain to us exactly what muscle testing is. So I think the first thing that helped me understand what muscle testing was and how to connect to yourself and your body and, and others um, was if you think about yourself as almost like a radio station, so all the frequencies, everything that has frequency, all of these emotions and maybe anger, frustration, pride, shame, unworthiness, these are very low frequencies. And we talked before about the higher frequencies, love, patience, kindness. Joy. And, and you guys who have been listening, I've referred to a book called Power Versus Force that has this um, the scale of emotion chart. It explains it really, really well. But you can go back to that book, Power Versus Force, and it explains all the intricacies there but mm. I'm sorry to interrupt you no, okay go ahead it's a great book it's a good reference yeah because this is a this is it's mm. a very simple practice but mm. a little bit hard to explain what it is but mm. Lindsay is I keep on interrupting her but she's doing a pretty good job <laughs> it's much easier if you could see me yeah yeah <laughs> but I can explain how to do it even over the podcast um but if you are like a radio station and your frequency that's inside of your vessel is sending out these frequencies, like through your tower, you know? So you're receiving frequencies all day long from other people too. And I think if you're sensitive to that, so you've probably heard who's listening, maybe what an empath is. An empath is very sensitive to these frequencies. So you may or may not be one, but you may can feel when somebody walks into a room and is angry and you're just like, oh, you know, like you kind of like resist a little bit or maybe you fall backwards. And also, you know that you're attracted to people who are kind and loving. And you, it's not just what they say. You can feel it in their energy. And um, even like my waitress last night was so kind. And you could just feel that she was so open and kind and loving in her energy. And I was just like, you're amazing. I love you. You know, <laughs> And you could just feel that with people. You know, I felt it with you when I first met you. Back at you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and... Um, and so you are constantly doing this without knowing it. And um, muscle testing is a way to connect to that energy and get an answer, like a solid answer. And so through muscle testing, you ask yes or no questions. You can do it many different ways. You can do it with like a pendulum or a necklace or a tea bag. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've done it with everything, anything that's weighted, you know. And so something that's maybe on a string or a chain that's weighted. And um, also you can do a lean. That's the way I started doing emotion codes, through the lean test. So I mentioned that when somebody walks in the room, you sort of gravitate towards them or you're attracted to them. That's what it means when you uh, are open or appreciate or you feel safe with their energy. And that's a yes because you're being pulled towards that, mm -hmm. like a magnet. If you're being pushed away like in a response to something that feels negative to you, then that's sort of you being, I want to say repulsed or, you know, um, 
it's like the opposite of the magnet, you know? Um, so you feel that resistance. That's a no. Your body, your vessel is saying, no, 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 no. Let's get away from that energy. It's not good for us, you know? And so you've got that pull and push thing. This, this way, and now I do it with my hands, you know, you can make a little loop with your, your uh, finger and your thumb and just kind of like when it, it, it's tight, if I ask the question and it doesn't pull through, then that's a yes. And if it pulls through, it's a no. The lean test is a little bit simpler to understand. If you're standing or you stand up right now and you take a deep breath and you relax, if you say something that is true, that's a yes, that you know that's a yes, like mine would be my name is Lindsay. And if I stood up and I relaxed and I took a deep breath, I should lean forward because that is a yes. That is true for me. If I said my name is Leah and took a deep breath and relaxed, I should lean back because that is not true for me. So that's a no. So that's just kind of a simple way of explaining how to muscle test. So what I'm doing is I'm connecting with my body that is giving me yes or no answers. This is so empowering. When you find that out. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, there are several different ways to tap into that energy to mm -hmm. to get these answers. And what I'll do is I'm going to link a YouTube video mm -hmm. on how to do self-muscle testing Great. in the show notes because it's mm -hmm. kind of, as you said, it's kind of hard to describe mm -hmm. if, if people can't see what you're doing. Yeah. But just for our sakes here, it's just, it's a physical way of testing energy to get yes or no mm -hmm. answers. So mm -hmm. then you have this list mm -hmm. And this tool to get yes or no answers around mm -hmm. these emotions, right? Yes. And it's not just the emotion, but sometimes it's trapped beliefs. Um, the chart, the body code, and I haven't really talked about body code, but that's next level. So there's emotion code, which is pretty simple to learn through reading the book and the resources that you'll post. Muscle testing is pretty easy to learn. You find the one that works for you. And you can do that on your own. Um, as you go further into it, there's what Bradley Nelson created was the body code. That goes more into um, hypnotic belief systems, uh, things that have been ingrained in you. It could be inherited. It could be when you were in the womb. You know, uh, if you have been listening to this, and I'm sure other of your podcasts, you can see how easy it would be to when you're watching a certain television show and you fall asleep and you're in theta state, you know, and you're relaxed. And your brain is still taking in the information. So how easy it is through that and advertising. And I know because I studied advertising for so long, they have different techniques um, even to get into. And I don't want to say the word necessarily brainwash, but, but program, program, exactly, yeah. which is why they call them programs on yeah. television. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's very deliberate. <laughs> right. and it's happening to us. All the time. All the time. Television is telling you what to see and what to believe, and then also the programming. And um, you can get into spelling too. There's spelling, is mm. like spells. You know, mm -hmm. there's this book that I love um, called Word Magic, mm. and it gets really deep into that stuff. Um, so uh, this stuff has been around, you know, since the beginning of time. I mean, so this is the old ancient technology, right? Mm. Like, sort of what we have all forgotten when mainstream um religion came on mm -hmm. on the uh on the scene like they made us forget the power of words and mm -hmm. spells and and you mm -hmm. know like our minds and but they but they use this 
this word magic against us mm-hmm. all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And so we store that in our body too. That I guess that's part of the belief yeah. system. That there's one called um, post hypnotic suggestion, and so it can be easy as something that's just told to you, a suggestion. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize, especially when we're tired or weak or sick or something along those lines, or maybe our brain is just not really strong in knowing what it's hearing. And, you know, television and different things like that can wear it down. But if we're not in that place where we're fully aware, then we are going to take that suggestion as fact. And we're going to, that's going to be ingrained in us. And then it's going to sort of be a foundation for the way we live our lives. So, for example, I have an incredible little story, but I was doing a motion code on a little boy. And there was a belief, a trapped belief or a post-hypnotic suggestion that was, I am not good enough or something along those lines. I'm sure no one can relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) It was something along those lines, but um, I was doing it and I released it and I found out what age, you can also find out what age that emotion was trapped, Mm -hmm. which sometimes that triggers your memory and you have a memory of, oh my gosh, I know exactly when that happened and what my dad said to me or what that person, what my boyfriend did or whatever. In this case, the mom was the one that was talking to me about it because I think he's just six or seven. And it was when he was four. And she said, that's so interesting because his favorite movie was blank. You know, it was some cartoon movie. And we used to fall asleep every night. He would fall asleep watching that movie. And I remember the main character in this movie would say, oh, I'm just not good enough, over mm. all the time. Mm. And, and you know, you may have some sort of a, um, a shift in that character in the movie where you're like, oh, good, they know that they're right. good enough now. But it still was that phrase that as he was falling asleep, that was being ingrained in him. And you can see through the way he acts now with his mother or the way he was acting and certain, um, you know, illnesses that he had been a part of or whatever, if your body believes it is not good enough, if your belief system, if that's in your psyche and your brain so ingrained in you, then you're not going to feel good enough to heal. You're not going to feel good enough for anybody else, for relationships. You're not going to feel good enough to do anything that you really want to do in this life or even create or manifest, you know? Well, and I think, I think that particular belief and when I was a therapist, I mean, that was the baseline for mm-hmm. pretty much everyone. It's, right. it's what I've dealt with. It's what I see all my friends and all, everyone like mm-hmm. that, that is the baseline mm-hmm. limiting belief. And what I think we all need to understand is that, you know, what is the benefit of all of us thinking that? Well, you can be sold on anything because exactly. if you have this baseline of yes. I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, you know, you have to get educated. Of Mm -hmm. course, you have to spend all this money on Mm -hmm. whatever. If you're not good looking enough, if you're not rich enough, like you're, you're basically, um, prime to Mm -hmm. buy anything. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, there are a lot of people Mm -hmm. who have an investment of of you not thinking that you're good enough. And so that's interesting that they were doing it in a cartoon and he Mm -hmm. picked it up. So how did you help him with that? So with, um, she came to me for a few other things like behavioral stuff. And, um, I did a session with him and the cool thing about emotion code too, is you don't actually have to be in person. I think when we did, we did a session, right? Yeah. Over the phone. You can do it over the phone or. That's the only way I've ever done it. Yeah. And I mean, it's like anything else. It's like therapy, you know, but, um, I can connect to you, um, with emotion code and muscle testing from a distance from anywhere. And cause it's energy. 
And when you set that intention of that person, their age, you know, and you know a few things about them or you're looking at them or something like that, you can set that intention and connect to them. And then you can ask yes or no, am I connected, you know, and am I getting the answers for them? And the proof is in the pudding, really, because as soon as you start the work and people are like, oh, my gosh, yes, I know exactly what that yeah, is. Yeah, you can feel it. Like, yeah. so so what she does is she she clears it with her technique, mm-hmm. um, which is explained in the book. But uh, and the and it's unlodged in your body. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you can say it's released or unlodged. I like that word, too. Um it moves it out of your body, just like if you were moving your body, doing yoga or breath work or even therapy and crying through something, just like we were talking about when you're children, if you're allowed to, um, this is a way to do that. Now we use, um, your meridians. The meridians are just the energetic patterns inside of your body that help move the energy along and it keeps you alive really. I mean, the, the, um, moving the energy from your heart to your hands or your head to your heart or, you know, through your organs, keeping them functioning properly. Yeah, so that meridians move the energy through your body. We kind of move this stuck energy that's been trapped or lodged in the body out of the body through the meridians. Um, Bradley Nelson talks about just swiping the back, like down the back of your head and your neck because this is one where the energy is released from the body also your hands sort of swiping your hand typically to make the energetic transfer or release stronger you'll use a magnet um you don't have to that's just something that kind of like makes it a little bit more evident that it's been released but i think the bigger picture of what's happening is this energy is being seen and heard so that little child that four-year-old inside of the boy that has been feeling like he wasn't good enough, that program that had been replaying over and over, that's now come to the surface because we connected to him. We found out where it was, what it was. We named it. And now that little four-year-old boy inside of him is like, you see me, you Mm -hmm. hear me. Mm -hmm. I'm worthy of that. I don't have to hide anymore and be triggered every once in a while. I don't have to let that be the the foundation for the way I see life. You see me now. And in a sense, a lot of these traumas have, when we were children or when they were trapped in us, we ran to the closet and hid. And that's what we do physically when we're scared, right? Or we get under the bed. And I talk about this a lot in the sessions. It's like, what did you do to feel safe? Did you run into your mother's arms? Or were you running from your mother into the closet, you know, to hide? And and so that's essentially what these traumas do. So at two years old, at three, at four, at five, that child that experienced this thing that felt traumatic and it didn't know how to process it ran and hid. So inside of you, it's almost like there's all these little closets that Mm. these traumas have run inside and hid. So when we sort of bring that to awareness because we're tapping into that inside of us and we find out what it is and where and how old you are, that's when it's able to open the door and come out and say, wow, I'm, I'm like, I'm ready to be healed. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to be seen and heard. And I have been for a while and I've been crying out for attention, but nobody heard me or didn't know how to reach me. Mm-hmm. And so now it's able to come out. And it is like you are hugging that child, that inner child. And I think a lot of people have probably now heard about inner child work. This is very similar to that. And this is what it's doing is you're bringing attention to that. They're finding healing. And now that healed version of that inner child is being integrated back into your your version, your adult version or whatever age you were. And now you're able to respond differently to the world 
because you may not have that I'm not good enough anymore or I'm not worthy or um, no one will ever love me or accept me for who I am. Whatever those things are that are really ingrained in most of us, um, now we can live from a new mindset mm-hmm. and really the way we're truly designed to live. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fascinating. So when you were doing work with this boy, um, he like, so he was having some physical symptoms that, mm-hmm. that resided and then just kind yeah. of behaviorally he started doing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you might have not been, even been working with him directly because with emotion code, you can, you can do it on animals. You can mm-hmm. do it on people remotely that have yeah. no idea you're doing it on them. You can do it for yourself, but you can definitely do it on children and mm-hmm. babies and things like yes. that. Yeah. And I've, I think inherited, we, especially with young children or babies, most of the, what you're going to find is inherited mm-hmm. in the womb and at birth because, of course, they haven't lived past that yet. Right, but Right, but we do inherit we a lot inherit from... so much. Yeah. And this is a pretty crazy story, but one time I was working on someone who, um, she was dealing a lot with her dad. Her dad was also dealing a lot with his mother who was really old and she was ready to pass on, but she just couldn't let go. And I worked on her actually. So you're, you really need permission from authority in their life if they're too young or too old, because you don't want to ever do any energy work on somebody who's against it, you know? So this one older woman that was sort of on her deathbed, you know, they knew that she just wasn't releasing something. And so I worked with her released a bunch of things mm-hmm. like shame and guilt and what a beautiful at, thing to do before oh, you pass over it was amazing yeah. and they knew about it she wasn't coherent but she just couldn't it's like she couldn't move to the next stage or the that process of like dying moving into something new you know mm-hmm. she couldn't cross over because of the frequency of these emotions that were sort of holding her back to this plane mm-hmm. and this earthly plane and so when we did, the next day she passed away peacefully. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. And it was like she was holding on to so much just with her body, you know, energetically. And then with the with I worked with her, this girl, and um, everything that came up for her that day was connected and inherited from her father. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool about this work, too, is whoever it's connected to when you get into the inherited stuff, it's also released in them. Mm. So we were able to release things in her body as well as her father's that day because it was connected to him and it completely changed their relationship. And then you can see also physically in people, there was one woman one time that had carpal tunnel really bad and she couldn't move her fingers anymore. They were just sort of like in a claw, you know, and she couldn't do yoga and all this other stuff. And so I just did a a quick, I was actually leading a, um, I was speaking at a, um, at this little gathering. And so I was just asking if anybody had some physical elements that we could treat, um, through this work just to show them how quickly it can work. And she said, I have carpal tunnel. If you could just, you know, release a few emotions for me. And I was like, sure. So we tapped in and one of them was a, um, it showed up in the body that it was a tendon in the upper arm, but that same arm that she has carpal tunnel in. And it was a torn tendon. And so I found out what the emotions that were trapped in that arm. And one of them was uh, 
um, let's see, what was it? It was, it was terror at like seven years old. And, um, she just got white as a ghost and she's like, that's when I was in a car accident. My arm was literally hanging out the window. It was cut from elbow to shoulder, which is that tendon that, that it brought up. Mm -hmm. And I was so terrified because I thought everyone in the car was dead, you know, so that trapped terror and some other things had had also been trapped in that arm so that arm couldn't fully heal physically because of the emotions the frequency of emotions that were trapped with it Mm -hmm. so when we released that almost instantly by the end of that so maybe even within 30 minutes she could move all of her fingers Hmm. she could do stretch her hand she could move it she had an appointment that week to see if she needed to have a second surgery because of that. And she never went back. And so that doesn't always happen, but that's one of those things where that was the main emotion that was holding the stress and the weakness into that place. So it couldn't physically heal. So you see physical miracles like that all the time, as well as emotional, as well as relational. And it's just all rooted in this energy, this stuck trapped energy in the body. Mm. I love this. Mm. I love this so much. I think, It's such a good supplement if you're doing therapy or working Mm -hmm. on yourself or if you're in a 12-step program. It's kind of like those little nooks and crannies Mm -hmm. that eventually you might be able to heal, you know, with lots of super focus and lots Mm -hmm. of money in therapy. But, (laughs) you know, like it's kind of like a a little bit of a like a a booster, like a vitamin booster or something to just like get a lot of stuff out Mm -hmm. uh, faster. Exactly. Like I would say, you know, why, why reinvent a wheel? Like if you can mm-hmm. go in and, you know, with yeah. a couple of sessions with you and just kind of yeah. dig it out mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. you know, it'll make your therapy go mm-hmm. faster. I think. I think so too. It gives it a really good start, kickstart, like you said, because all of the therapies that I've ever done and I've done them all, mm-hmm. they're all so beautiful. And I, other people that I've talked to that are healers and things like that, they've done it all too. And they, there's something so great and beautiful about cryotherapy or yoga or breath work. Right. Um, massage. Massage is so My favorite. <laughs> Mine too. We, we got can... a massage this past oh, week. Oh, man, it was wonderful. Mm. And massage helps move energy out of the body. Yeah. And any kind of detox you do, even physical detox, parasite cleanse, stuff like that, is all helping because it's all they're all connected. Yeah. Um, even if you feel like you go through some sort of a weight loss thing or you start exercising, that's why it's so important to move the body and breathe deep every single day, especially when you're experiencing something that feels uncomfortable, like you're in a fight or an argument or somebody just hit your car, start breathing. Just remind yourself to breathe deep and open your heart, open, open your chest and breathe and that's why they say even that's the most important thing you can do in the morning when you wake up, stretching and breathing, opening your chest, opening your heart, breathing deep, going outside, grounding, getting sunshine. All of these things are therapies that help keep us grounded and open and our energy open, our meridians open. Otherwise, when we get scared and afraid and angry, we close down, we close our fist, we roll our shoulders forward we cross our arms through doing those things we keep the energy inside locked inside and then it moves around until it finds a place and sometimes it's going to find a place that's already weak like if you have back problems or something like that so that's 
usually and and every one of these frequencies is produced by the organs you know this energy is being moved around in your body and so again you're experiencing it you're telling it what it is and then it's getting lodged there if you're not moving it out so like we said with the motion code why it's so powerful i believe and why it's the thing that i landed on when i searched every therapy out there for like the best most efficient and effective therapy because i wanted to be able to help other people too like I'm helping myself and have been my whole life. And this one in one session, usually this you can do different things. The way I do it is usually I do an hour session over the phone in Zoom or on per, in person. And you can typically the body will release 15 to 20 emotions in one session. Mm-hmm. So uh, with traditional counseling that we're used to in the Western culture, um, you will talk through things and talk it out and sometimes have a revelation of something and that may go on for weeks you know trying to understand why you are the way you are and oh my gosh and this happened when I was a kid this is pretty fast as far as like what's coming up and being healed at the same time so it's not just you're gonna feel it and have to now deal with it and talk about it and you know um, things like that it's sort of like it, it happens quickly And I think that's the way that it was sort of designed to, and especially with as much as our body's been holding on to collectively and individually, we need to get this stuff alchemized. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's about time. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, um, Mm. I, I did have a session with you. It was absolutely Mm -hmm. fabulous. And you're, you're taking new clients right now. Oh yes, definitely. Okay, good, good. All over the world. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So where can people find you? Um, I do have a website and that you can, uh, link okay and then um i am on instagram okay what's your instagram it's root underscore awakening okay. underscore wellness okay root awakening is the name that i chose because it is about awakening at the very root the foundation of the base mm-hmm. of why we are the way we are and we you know live the way we live and and why what are the triggers and where do they come from and so it's like traveling to the root of that but it's like rude awakening it kind of has a play on words you know <laughs> right and awakening is not necessarily easy but once you do and you and each one of these traumas it's like opening the door to that closet and seeing that little frustrated kid come out and we're getting to the root of it or seeing that child at that age and saying Hey, you can live a full life now. Yeah, which know? is which is so beautiful. With me. <laughs> what the yes, 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 yes. Well, thank you so mm-hmm. much for coming on the show and talking about this. I mean, I highly recommend this to people. Um, it's a beautiful thing and you're mm-hmm. very, very good at it. And oh, thank uh, you. I look forward to working with you in the future. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so great to know you and just yeah, your friendship and everything else. Oh, and, you too, Lindsay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) So thank you so much to listening to the art of podcast. I really love doing this and I love that you're out there and you're listening. If you would do one thing for me, would you please go to wherever you're listening to your podcast and rate and review the show? It really helps us get distributed and get the information out to a lot more people. And that is just uh, really my dream. Also, if you want more information, go to my Instagram page at Leah Fisher Art. I'm always doing updates and, and posting our resources and 
posting paintings that I've done lately. So, you know, everybody's on the gram. So go there and check it out. And also look at my new website. It has a lot of great information on it. I post all my resources on my page and you can scroll through there and click and link to all of them. And uh, I don't know, I'm just, I'm loving the new webpage. So go check it out. And until then, I will talk to you soon.